0: Welcome to the Great Loop Radio Podcast, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. I'm Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA, and today we have kind of a unique perspective. My guest will be Dan Pease. Dan is a current in-progress looper, but he is also a former towboat captain. Um, And that is one of the places, you know, if you've never dealt with some of these toes pushing an enormous number of barges down the waterways, it can be a little daunting. So I think Dan brings a really unique perspective to this and we'll bring him into the conversation in just a moment. First, I do want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Great Loop Yacht Sales, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and waterway guide media as always we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the great loop and with the business out of the way dan peace thank you for joining me today
1: thanks for having me great to be here
0: yeah and i appreciate this you are currently on the loop and you're coming to us from clearwater i'm just about 25 miles or so south of there in gulfport um so it's it's been a a pretty wild ride lately. Um, but tell us a little bit about you know your own Great Loop. We can see you're aboard. Tell us about your boat, where you started from, those kinds of things.
1: Well, we're on a thirty-seven foot trawler. Uh, slow. We make about seven knots at best. So we're we're very used to being passed. <laughs> um, we started our well, it's it's we 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 started our trip. We're from Maine. So we started our trip in Maine last fall. We went down, we went South down the ICW on the East coast, went to the Bahamas. And then so maybe we technically started our loop when we came back in at Lake Worth. Mm -hmm. So we're back in the same state that we started in, but we still have a ways to go.
0: Yeah, And it's it's
1: been been a great trip. Uh, Really we've, We've just seen so many places that we never even imagined we would see and learned so much geography and met so many great people. It's been a been a super ride.
0: Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And, and you, it sounds like, did some of the uh, kind of dream side trips on the front end, being from Maine um, and having already done the Bahamas. So those are, are great experiences. But the main reason I asked you to join me is because it came to my attention after the flotillas coming out of Uh, the Illinois Waterway, that in your career, you were a tow captain, which is certainly a unique perspective. Um, Tell me about your days as a commercial captain.
1: Well, I'm not really a river man, uh, Mm -hmm. or or I'm not exactly sure what they call themselves, but I've pushed a lot of barges. Uh, I've worked for construction companies. I've also, uh, up in Maine, mostly also towed uh, barges down, up, and down the coast into Boston, New York City, and uh, worked in the in the Hudson and that area a little bit, but not yeah. not not technically pushing a lot of barges. Uh, but I, but I think I do have some of the same viewpoints, probably as they do.
0: Oh, I'm sure, hundred um, percent. Question I came up recently. Um... As everyone was starting down the rivers, um, I hear people calling them tugboats a lot. And then I heard that that was really not well received by tow captains. (laughs) What's your take on that?
1: (laughs) Well, I I don't know. Towboat is kind of a misnomer, if you ask me, because to me, purely towing, you'd have the barge behind you. But that's the nomenclature that that's what they use on the rivers. That's what they use in in uh, like Houston or or down in that area. Um, so I guess you probably just want to call them what they want to be called.
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think you're 100 percent right. Um, when I first heard the phrase tow, Boat, I think towboat U.S. (laughs) I literally, as you said, think towing as opposed to pushing and the the toes that we encounter on the Great Loop are pushing the barges for sure in most places. Um, But so back when you were a commercial captain, um, how did you view pleasure craft in general? And in the area you were in, you may not have been coming across a lot of loopers. but certainly there were pleasure craft out there and you know tell us how the tow captains view the pleasure craft oh I,
1: you know our encounters with the with the uh, with the tow boats were were all very nice they uh, they were almost one hundred percent just super uh, but but from my point of view, I guess the you have to watch out for the pleasure boater because you just don't you just don't know where they're coming from their experience their expertise their judgment so you kind of have to i don't know take them with a grain of salt you have to keep an eye on them i guess is what you have to do
0: yeah and i think that's a great way to phrase it because we are all coming from different experience levels and different perspectives and depending on where the home waters are, you may never have encountered a tow pushing lots of barges before. So, um, you know, I think that is a great perspective. And all of my interchanges with tow captains have also been, you know, extremely pleasant. Um, and, I, and I think what I have learned from talking to other tow captains over the years is um, how important the communication is. So as you said, you don't know the experience level or where that that pleasure craft is coming from. Um, so just simply communicating with the tow captain, I think, is super important. Um did your perspective change any? Now, you know, the revolt the the roles have reversed. <laughs> you are now a pleasure craft. Um has has your perspective changed any on the best, you know, way to communicate or or how we should view the tow captains versus the tow captains viewing the pleasure craft?
1: Well, I think uh, let's just say that our first encounter with a with a tow uh, was shortly after we'd come through Chicago, and we were coming by a fleeting area, small fleeting area, and it was narrow. And a tug came, uh, or a towboat was coming against us, and it was clear we were going to meet right at the narrowest spot. and And I called him up we do have AIS, which is a great advantage. Maybe we'll talk about that later. Yeah, And, and he said, red to red, green to green, close your eyes and go in between. So uh, I said, oh, okay, well, that, great. But we slowed down, but it was good to see that they had a sense of humor. And mm-hmm. I, I think that they are busy, because they're watching everything that they're doing and very important that they keep their toe in the right place in the river. But, but I think they're bored. So Mm -hmm. they're ready for a little conversation and a little interaction. So if you treat them well, they'll, they'll treat you well.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think that holds true with everyone you meet on the water, the, the toes, the lock masters. Um, But so What are some of the things that you wish that loopers knew going in, um, about how it's going to work when they do encounter these uh, large commercial vessels?
1: Well, I think you have to have flexibility and you have to be able to make a decision. You have to be able to, um, look at different situations and, and look ahead. Um, our. One of our first, one of our other first encounters after we had left Joliet. And at that point we were with a group. And I was in the lead. And we had, and we met, we met a toe that was going to be in a bend and they he said, well, I guess you can keep coming. And I, and I thought to myself, oh, I don't really know the expertise of the people that I'm with. And we had, I think we had six or seven boats at that point. And so I took it on myself to stop our convoy. And we went back just a little bit into a, into a little wide spot and just hung out and let the guy come by. Mm -hmm. Um, but as we grew in confidence as a group, and realized that everybody in the group was handling their boats just fine, uh, we we had we had no no issues. We never had to stop again.
0: Yeah, you mentioned um, a fleeting area. Can you explain that for those who haven't been through those areas and may not be familiar with that term?
1: So the fleeting area is where they store barges Um, I think a lot of these barges are on on leases different companies lease different barges there are barges that carry bulk freight there are oil barges tank barges so you'll come to spots on the rivers that there will be 50 or 100 or 200 barges tied up to shore and uh, and rafted out into the river, not out into the channel. Um, so, yeah, that's a that's a fleeting area. And then the then smaller tugs will go in and pick out certain barges that they're going to use or going to set up as a tow for for the bigger barges. So it can be a busy area. It can be very benign. It, it there might be nothing going on. But closer to the closer to the cities or closer to the industry areas, uh, you'll find more activity there, which you have to watch out for. And they're busy, and they're going back and forth across. Maybe not really too concerned, but just want to keep your eyes open.
0: Yeah, and it, automatically the river or the the channel there is going to be a little bit narrower because you may have some barges along the sides. Um, one of the places that kind of amazed me was uh, outside of Chicago. When we were going through uh, what is, you know, the lowest fixed bridge on the Great Loop, that 19.6-foot bridge, uh, there were several barges uh, kind of uh, right there along the banks of the river. So not only were you kind of, squ- felt like you were squeezing through from a height perspective, but it felt a little like you were squeezing through from the width of the waterway there. So that was super interesting. Um Let's talk a little bit about you know the instructions that a tow captain may give you when you are encountering them. Um, typically, the nomenclature is to, you know the one and the two, uh, and we've talked about that before on our podcast. But for those who have maybe not heard that before, can you explain the one and the two and its origin and, and how people can remember what it means?
1: Sure. So if you're if you're meeting a tow. On the one is going to mean that you're going to pass them port to port. Um, it, on the two, the opposite, be starboard to starboard. And if you're overtaking a tow, which is usually the case, rarely that a tow would be overtaking you because they don't, they really don't go very fast, mm-hmm. maybe four knots, four, four and a half knots. So uh, on the one would mean that you are going to turn to the right and go down his starboard side on the two, the opposite. So basically what on the one means is you are going to stay to the right, to the right side of the channel and stay as close to that side of the channel as you can Either way, if you're meeting or passing on the two, you're going to stay on the left side. And they may also refer to the color of the buoys, the cans and the nuns. They may say they may maybe they're backing up what they're saying. They'll say, we're going to we're going to meet you on on two and you should stay on the on the red side. If you're going down the river. It depends on where, of course, if you're in the Mississippi or if you've turned and you're going up the Ohio. But but they will they will sometimes, and good for them just to, to back it up and make sure it's 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 uh completely clear.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And the one and the two seems to cause a lot of confusion. Uh, but when you do break it down to one means point the bow of your boat to the right, and two means point the bow of your boat to the left. In every situation, it becomes a lot simpler. Um, but I too have heard, um, just in this, this trip down, um, seem to hear more of the tow captains reinforcing the one and the two with, you know, starboard to starboard or port to port or whatever the situation may call for, um, which I think is, is good for those who are new to the whole premise. Um, so I think that's great. Um, let's take a quick break and play a message from one of our sponsors. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about AIS, because you mentioned that, and it can be super helpful in these circumstances. So we'll be back in a moment. Embark on the journey of a lifetime with the new Leopard 40 Powercat, the ideal companion for exploring America's great loop. Enjoy unparalleled comfort and fuel efficiency as you navigate this iconic waterway. Whether you're a seasoned cruiser or a first-time adventurer, The Leopard 40 PowerCat offers the ultimate in travel ease and luxury. It's time to set sail on your dream voyage, and it all starts with the Leopard 40 PowerCat. Discover a new level of exploration and embark on an unforgettable experience. Contact us today and make your great loop adventure a reality. www.leopardcatamarans.com Welcome aboard What Yacht To Do. Sam and Rev have completed two loops with videos of each trip on YouTube. Now, their goal is to help you prepare for your trip. Their services include online courses, coaching, training, and boat delivery. You can prepare for the loop from the comfort of your own home with their online introductory courses. You get a digital workbook and a way to interact and ask questions. You'll even receive a certificate of completion. Go now and sign up for our free newsletter at whatyachtodo.com or greatloopacademy.com, and they'll send you some free boating goodies. We're back on the Great Loop Radio podcast. My guest today is Dan Pease. Dan is a current looper in progress, and he is also a former commercial tow captain. So he's bringing to the conversation a pretty unique perspective on how pleasure craft interact with the commercial traffic on the waterway. Dan, in the first segment, you talked a little bit about having AIS on your boat now. Um, Explain that how that helps in dealing with the commercial traffic.
1: Well, AIS of course is an automatic identification system. And depending on the the extent that you are set up on, on your boat, you will be able to tell the, uh, just by uh, the radio reception, uh, if a, if a vessel is coming around a corner, you might see them miles away, you might not see them around its line of sight. So it's all done with the same the same radio frequency that your VHF marine radio uses. So the great thing is that you can see around corners and you can tell the name of the tow vessel that you're going to encounter which is hugely it's a huge help to be able to call out by name otherwise if you do not have it you really have to keep track of your mile your mile marker and tow captains not only use mile markers but they use uh reference points that may only be known to tow captains they're certainly not known to the first time Person down the mississippi river but by the same token you can see them they can see you and and you're identifiable so it it just makes things so much simpler you can start a conversation and and know exactly who you're talking to there's no question just a big help big help there are different there are different levels of AIS. You may only have a. If you get it, I think I think I got this right. You may buy a VHF radio that has AIS, but it may only have receive. So you may able to, you may be able to see them, but they may not be able to see you. There are also different levels as AIS. A and B, I believe, and the A is what the commercial vessels have. It is available. I have a I have AIS A, and the other one is B, and it's just maybe not quite doesn't quite have the range of the of the AIS A.
0: It is has been very helpful on on our Great Loop, um, and and both the transmitting and the receive. Are helpful. You know, just having the, the receive so you can see the commercial traffic is is helpful. Them being able to see you, I feel like is is very key. And we've had a couple of encounters on the river system where it was just extremely helpful to be able to know that there was a commercial vessel around a bend that we couldn't visually see yet, but knew was there, and they knew we were there, and we could arrange, you know, safe um, a, a safe encounter there as we were meeting them in a crowded part on a bend with swimmers in the water and all kinds of all kinds of things so there have been a few times I've been very happy to have that ability so I I, you know it's something I think people should consider at this point in time we used to you know consider it kind of a luxury to have but the price has come down enough um to outfit a boat with it that at, at this point in time I really think it just makes sense for loopers to have it um we actually did a whole episode of this podcast on AIS not too long ago, so you can find that in our archives for anybody listening who is wanting to learn more about the different types. As Dan was explaining, um, you certainly don't need the level that the commercial captains have, but um, you know, having AIS both uh, transceiving is is really really helpful at this point. Um, so a question for you? Uh, well, actually, let's let's kind of run through a scenario. Um what it's like on the VHF when you're encountering a tow. So um, I'll be the pleasure craft (laughs) or the perch. Um, Your boat is Willie Dawes, but um, we'll pretend you're a commercial vessel for now. Um, So if I am getting ready to, there you go. (laughs) If I'm getting ready to meet you on a waterway, um, perhaps you're still around a turn and I can't see you yet, um, but it would sound something like this. Willie Dawes, Willie
1: Dawes, Willie Dawes, the perch on 14. Yeah, Willie Willie Dawes standing by.
0: Yeah, Captain, we are uh, getting ready to meet here. Where would you like to see us?
1: Well, I'm going to be taking a lot of this channel here, but I think it'd be best if uh, you're on the inside. So let's go uh, one whistle and that'll be port to port.
0: Roger that. I'll see you on the one.
1: Okay, very good.
0: Perch back to 14. We probably should have had, depending on the working channel and the time, we may have switched channels somewhere along there, Um, but it really is just that simple. Um, I think some times when you're just new at this, it's a little bit intimidating. the channel to hail a tow on can change on the different waterways. Um, so make sure that you're checking on that in your cruising guides. Any advice there Dan, on how people should know what channel the tows will be monitoring?
1: Uh, I don't know how we knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No on the, I guess on the beginning of it it was it was on 13, I think, and then it switched to 16 in the Tennessee Tom Bigby. Um, We have a couple of handheld radios, so we always kept one on 16. And we also tried, and it was a little haphazard, to have one for our flotilla to talk on. Um, And we would just keep a radio on that if you didn't have multiple radios you you knew you could switch over to whatever it was six eight or seventeen or 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 whatever.
0: Yeah. Just a, so,
1: a a funny story for on mm-hmm. our end was that for some reason, apparently Willie Dawes the name Willie Dawes must sound like a towboat. It does. Because. <laughs> because Numerous occasions, a tow would call us, not in sight around a bend or whatever, and they'd and they'd say, Willie Dawes, uh, what are you pushing today?" <laughs> and we'd say, uh, uh, "Uh, we've we've got a lot of Volkswagen radiators and some sailboat fuel, but other than that, no, nothing, <laughs> nothing here. We're mm-hmm. and I'd explain we're a pleasure craft, and they, oh, oh, okay, all right. So, just thought we were a new boat on the on the river."
0: It does sound like, for whatever reason, it does sound like a towboat. Where did you pick the name Willie Dawes from?
1: Actually, my good wife came up with that. We, we, have, a, we have a sailboat under construction, and the name of that is Paul Revere, who you've probably mm-hmm. heard of. Mm-hmm. William Dawes, very few people have heard of, but he rode the same night that Paul Revere rode. And we used to have a Willard which they call Willie and for whatever reason, we came up with the, with the name Willie Dawes and we've kept it.
0: I love that with the Paul Revere uh, reference in it too. So I always love to hear where boat names come from because they're usually very clever. So thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah, but so in the scenario that we ran through, um, I think I used channel 14, and I do think that there is somewhere on the rivers I can't remember now where that is, where the toes monitor. Um, It's often in cruising guides. Um, And in addition to Dan's idea of having multiple radios, which we do, our main VHF can scan a series of channels um, so that we can hear chatter on any of them. And that's where sometimes it's helpful if the hailing party does say what channel they're on. Um, and if it's more than a quick interaction like we had, you are going to switch most likely to a kind of a non-working channel like 6-8, um, where you're kind of free to have a discussion like that. Um, but the working channel where you're just making arrangements uh, for the encounter, whether you're overtaking or meeting, is, is you want to keep it pretty clear of chatter and just uh, available for the working channel for people to make those kinds of arrangements. So I always learned, Dan, go ahead. Did you have something to add? No.
1: Uh, an aside i would add also is to not be afraid to get clarification from those tobo captains because everybody thinks that they don't have an accent but i think those guys <laughs> have an accent and mm-hmm. they're from and they're not only from just one area they could be from a long way away and sometimes we had uh very hard time understanding them. So I don't, I think it's, I think it's absolutely okay to ask again as to what they said and make sure that you're clear on, on their intentions.
0: Yeah. Good point. And again, communication in arranging these meetings or overtaking Mm. is the biggest key. So along that line, um, if you are communicating with, a commercial captain, and as we demonstrated, I, as the pleasure craft, asked what the commercial captain wanted me to do. Um, That's something that I was uh, taught to do, uh, somewhat as a sign of respect for them, but also because they tend to know these waters, and for most loopers, we're in unfamiliar waters. Um, So, if the commercial captain uh, suggests an arrangement that I am not comfortable with, you know, there were a few boats this season on the Illinois waterway. Um, I think it was still on the Illinois, where the, the I believe the captain asked them to go to the one and they ended up running aground. Just one of those unfortunate situations. Water is low. The loopers, of course, didn't know that they would run around aground if they followed those instructions. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done it. But if you have doubts about where they're sending you, if that is a good spot for your boat, what's the best way to handle that? Should you question? Should you ask for clarification? Should you propose an alternate solution? What are your thoughts on on how you would handle that?
1: Well, I totally agree that you should you should defer to their judgment. Mm-hmm. I. Uh, and we also saw and and towed somebody off that had been pushed off pushed off to the side. They mm-hmm. felt uh, and and yeah, the towbo guy should know best. But by the same token, we got into a situation, and well, it wasn't really a situation, but and and I said, I I called the towboat and I said, you know, I'd really feel more comfortable on the two instead of on the one and he said okay fine um but i don't know if you're ever going to totally avoid that situation it's just that's just a tough it's just a tough call um i prefer to be on the, i prefer to be on the inside of a turn um but but you know you don't you don't know if you don't know the waters you don't know the the if something has shifted from the chart, which we never found that the chart was wrong, um, but I I think you I think you do need to defer, and if you're uncomfortable, turn around and go the other way. Get yeah. get back to some place where you are more comfortable, uh, because there are narrow spots and some of those toes are large, and and uh, we had several places where we slowed down to meet them. We had one place where I think the bar, I think the tow captain, I think he put himself aground to get out of our way. Mm -hmm. And, and not just, it wasn't just once where a tow stopped and let us go by. So they're pretty accommodating. A lot of times they're not in a hurry because they know that they're going to be waiting at the next lock anyway. So they may just, pull over to the side and wait.
0: Yeah. Another thing I don't think we've mentioned and and might be obvious to many, but might not be, is that because they are pushing such a large amount of both by size and weight goods, they can't stop on a dime and they can't turn on a dime. So some of what they're suggesting you do or requesting you do, maybe just based on what they know of their own maneuverability So even though it it might to us, you know, pleasure craft seem like it might not seem like the best way to do it. They may know something about the load they're carrying or how they can maneuver that we may not realize. So keep that in mind also. Um, And I think that's just, you know, that's just important. Um, The other thing that I took me a while to realize, I think our natural instinct when you're meeting a vessel that large is to give them a very wide amount of space. And they don't really need it. So, you know, if they're suggesting passing on the one and you end up so far to the one that you run aground, it may be a situation where you just didn't need to give them that that wide of a space as you did. There's been a couple times with Michael driving that he's passed really close, in my opinion, to a tow, but that's where we needed to be. And and a boat our size Going very slow is not going to push so much of a wake, even when we're close, that it's going to have any impact on that boat. Would you agree with that, though, Dan? I mean, how much room do you need to give a commercial vessel as you're overtaking or meeting?
1: Right. I I think you only have to give them enough enough room that you're comfortable. I would say that you don't want to be uh, really close to their bow the bow of their toe because the current is going to be different. There certain dynamics. You also don't want to get too close uh, on a parallel with them because there's something called bank suction and you could get drawn into them. Uh, So, yeah, you have to just be ready with your throttle to to turn. And of course, you can turn much faster than they can. and respect their uh their space a little bit but right you don't need to give them a lot you might 50 feet might be plenty Mm -hmm. you might find a case where you were a little bit closer um yeah so it's a it's a matter of judgment and 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 they're, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna watch you they don't a couple times we talked about they they said they don't want to have to do the paperwork.
0: (laughs) Yep. Very true. (laughs) But so, you know, I think we've stressed it here. Communication is really the best bet. Um, Don't be afraid to ask for clarification. Um, Any other best tips as we start to wrap up, Dan, that you would suggest for loopers who are new to this and how they should deal with commercial vessels? Uh,
1: I, uh... Just be just to be respectful, and it doesn't hurt to thank them after you've gone by, and and let them know that you're all clear and everything went well. Um, I would add that that in a couple times, just in our coming down the rivers, uh, there was one point when we heard about a a boat that had a single outboard, a looper, and he had had stopped the engine to clear something out of his prop and he couldn't get it started. Toe came by, he was out of the way enough. Toe came by, dropped his stuff off at, at a, at a fleeting area or at a, at some kind of commercial spot and came back and got him and brought wow. him up. And, and so that, that was pretty good. They also, uh, we we encountered a sailboat that had seven foot draft that had run aground, avoiding a tow, and and every tow that came by spoke to him and said, "Do you want it, Do you want us to try to give you a wake? Uh, is there anything we can do?" Of course, they can't always; they're not always in a place where they can come back and get you, um, but but they they were they were recognizing the situation. Or they would ask if they wanted, uh, if the sailboat wanted the tow to slow down so they didn't give them a wake. So they were very respectful and they've got their eyes open.
0: They absolutely do. And, and all of, as I said earlier, all of our encounters with tows have been very nice, very professional, polite, um, and helpful if we ask for information and I think that's really, you know, the key is Pleasure Craft kind of recognizing that uh, these people are earning their living. They know the water and, you know, they are a resource, not not something to be feared um, and not something yep. to be worried about. But they're a great resource.
1: Yeah. The, the last thing I would I guess I would add is when you're uh, encountering a tow, whether you're meeting it or you're passing it, Get off autopilot. No autopilot. You should be hand steering. That's, uh, y- you don't want your, y- it's like when you go through a bridge, you want to be off autopilot. You never know when, you're, when your compass is going to be affected by the big bulk of steel and do a crazy Ivan and make something bad. So uh, yeah, no autopilot. Yeah.
0: Great advice. Dan, thank you for joining me today. I think it's been really insightful. You have uh, certainly a unique perspective as both a uh, former commercial captain and a current looper. Um, We wish you the best on the rest of your loop, and hopefully we'll see each other on the water somewhere.
1: Thank you. Hope to see you too.
0: Yes, and thanks to everyone who's watched or listened today. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Great Loop Radio podcast. Until then, safe cruising.